This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, and just reading verses 15 to 17. Then they also brought infants to him, that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Particularly verse 17, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter in. I want to speak to you this morning about the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of the gospel. I think that the world of advertising is fascinating. There's a whole psychology to it. Of course, the whole point of advertising is to get us to buy a product. But advertisers know that before you buy a product, you have to buy into the product. In other words, that's what they focus on, to get you to buy into it before you physically buy it. And so they want you to want it, uh, to feel that you need it, that you absolutely have to have it. But advertising is expensive, particularly on television. And television advertising, as you can see for yourself, is in mere seconds. I suppose a long ad would maybe be 10, 20, 30 seconds, but usually it's just a quick flash. And so they know that they have got to make an impact in a very, very short space of time. Uh, Let's take a car, for example, a car ad. Any car, any manufacturer, any make or any model. Now, they know that within that very short space of time, they do not have the time to give you all the nuts and bolts about that car. Neither they or you have got the time between your favorite program to sit and listen to that. And they know that. And so what do they do? They sell you a dream instead. If you drive this car, you will be the envy of your neighbors. It will give you a certain status. You will be cool. (laughs) You will feel daring or uber. You will stand out from the crowd. Your kids will absolutely love you if you get this car. So in other words, what they're trying to do is to tell you this is what our car will do for you. This is how you will feel if you drive our car. And so your life will be more exciting. (laughs) It'll be more colorful. It'll not be gray or boring or dull. It'll be adventuresome. You'll love this car. Notice they haven't said one word about the nuts and bolts. 
And I haven't told you the engine capacity or how many valves it's got or its chassis or its transmission or its braking system or anything about that. That would take too long. If you want to get that info, then go to a showroom, get a brochure, or better still, Google it, and there, voila, you've got all the information you need. Now, the truth is that that information that they don't give you in the ad is very, very important. Much more important than what they've already told you. But the psychology behind it is they know they have got to get you interested. You've got to buy into it before you actually buy it. And so what they do oftentimes, as you know, they will take that car to some exotic location and uh, they will use exquisite lighting and maybe slow motion going around a corner and uh, they will make you feel that you're in that car going through that tunnel or, or going along that spectacular coast or swinging down that mountain pass and they make you feel you're actually behind the wheel and how exciting would that be if you had this car? So they know that's the psychology. That's what first attracts you. Attracts you, the color, the shape, the form, the design, what it like, what it sits like on the road. And when they can get that into your mind, that's how advertising works generally. They know that most people are not petrol heads. There are some and there's some in here, but most of you aren't petrol heads. You just want to know. What would I look like in that car? What would my neighbors think if I drove that? <laughs> now, of course, you're not going to admit to that, but they know that's how human beings think. And so all they want you to do is to feel good about their car, never mind how it's put together. They know it's going to work. They know that under the bonnet it's going to work. That's why they give you a three- or five-year guarantee. And one manufacturer of pickup trucks has a strap line in their ad, and it says, it just works. In other words, that's all you need to know. It just works. Whatever you need it for, it will just work. So what are we doing here? What are they doing? They're tapping in to the human psyche. Why am I telling you this? What has this got to do with the simplicity of the gospel? Well, actually, in a roundabout way, it does. When you first heard the gospel, what was it that attracted you? Now, of course, you heard that Jesus died for you, that he went to the cross to give his life, to forgive you your sins. That was a very simple message you heard. But what was it about that simple message that attracted you? Well, was it not, this will change my life? This is going to make a big difference to me? If I receive this gospel, if I receive what Christ has done for me, this will give me a whole new beginning of life. This will start life all over again. In other words, you see what this is going to do for you. Usually it's only after we receive Christ that then we begin to understand the nuts and bolts of the gospel. 
At the beginning, it seems so simple, but we know it's not that simple. There's a lot more to it. But what attracted you in the first place was, this is going to change my life. My life needs to be changed. Something's got to happen to me. I cannot keep living this way. Something's got to happen. I need a new beginning, a new start. Did not the Apostle Paul say, if any man is in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. All things are passed away. All things has become new. A whole new beginning, a whole new start in life. That's what Paul was saying. So was God not appealing to our deep-seated need and desire for a new life, for a new beginning, for a fulfilling life, a life with purpose and desire and destiny. That's what people want. They don't want to think they're going through life for nothing. There's got to be a reason for it, a purpose in it, a destiny at the end of it. And so the simple gospel message touches and resonates deep within our hearts that if we come to Christ we'll be a new creature we'll have a whole new beginning and a whole new start and then after that that's when we find out the nuts and bolts of the gospel have you ever noticed that the evangelist and we've had any number of them through here Almost always their message is very, very simple. And it's not that they're dumbing it down. But if they come and they don't know you, and they don't know who's sitting out there listening, they're aware that not everybody is a believer. Not everybody knows the story behind the gospel. And so they present a very simple message. This can change your life. Christ can make all the difference and give you purpose and reason for life. And that's what attracts us. That's what gets us. Peter in Acts chapter 2. You remember how that multitudes had gathered for the Feast of Pentecost? And how that they heard this commotion in the upper room. And they all ran to the upper room to hear what this was about, to see what was going on. And Peter comes out, and he preaches his first message. And if you read it, it's a very simple, simple message. Basically, what he's saying is, you crucified the Son of God, but God raised him from the dead, so now you need to repent and be baptized. Now, he said a little bit more than that, but that's the heart of it. That's the nuts and bolts of it. That's what he gave that day. And 3,000 people received that message and get saved. Later on, 5,000 received the message. And if you read through the book of Acts, you'll see, by and large, the message was very, very simple. And it had to be. Now, of course, Peter's congregation that day were Jews. Many of them were proselytes, had come into the uh, Judaism. And they, they knew something of the, of the Torah. But he still made it very, very simple. And it touched their hearts. It impacted them. Now, of course, in Acts 6 and 7, you have the record of, of Stephen, who became the first martyr, and how that he was hauled before the ecclesiastical court. 
And his defense to them was a lot more detailed. He started off with Abraham leaving Ur of the Chaldees. Then he talked about Joseph and Jacob and Egypt and that wonderful story. And then he talked about Moses and the tabernacle in the wilderness and the prophets and Solomon and David. And then he ended up talking about Jesus, the Son of God, standing at the right hand of the Father. I mean, it was a turdy force of a sermon. It was a powerful, witty, detailed sermon. And it had to be because he was speaking to a different audience. He was speaking, can I use the term, theological petrol heads. These were people that knew the nuts and bolts of the Old Testament. But he had to take them right back to the beginning and bring them all the way through to present the gospel and Christ to them. And they could understand. And so it depends on the audience. But by and large, for the most part, it was a very simple message. In Acts chapter 10, uh, you remember how that the story of Peter and Cornelius and how this lovely man Cornelius, a Roman centurion, and how he had befriended the Jews and had accepted Judaism, which is a big, big thing for this man to do. And how that in prayer, and he was very generous towards the Jews. And how that in prayer, God said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose sermon is Peter. His lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And he will tell you what you must do. You remember how then Peter got that vision of that sheep coming down with all kinds of creepy crawlies and, and, and animals that he was not supposed to eat. And, uh, and the Lord says, Arise, slay and eat. And he says, Not so, Lord. I, I can't touch anything that's unclean. Well, he says, Don't call anything I blessed unclean or uncommon. And just by that, these men, these messengers came in looking for him, and he realized, God is speaking to me. I must go to the house of Cornelius, and I've got to share the gospel with him. And so when he went to the house of Cornelius, Cornelius, of course, was, was excited and, and, and fell down at his feet as if to worship him. And Peter says, no, I'm just a man. I'm, an, I'm a man like you. You can't do that. And then Peter goes on to talk to him. I'm just trying to break into this story here. So Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, call Simon here. His sermon is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent for you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear the things commanded you by God. And Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. For in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. 
The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. But God raised him up on the third day and showed him openly. So what is he doing? He's sharing the simple message that Christ died and rose again, was resurrected again. And God raised him up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word, and of those of the circumcision who believe were astonished, as many as came with Peter because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. And Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. So a very simple, simple presentation and immediately even before he finished speaking the Holy Spirit touched their lives and they never were the same again the simplicity of the gospel of course we should always be remain childlike in our trust and obedience to Christ but we also need to grow and mature in the things of the Lord after we're saved. That's why Peter said, 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And so for the most of us anyway, whenever we get saved, we didn't know that much. But we knew enough that we needed to be saved. We knew enough to repent of our sins and to come to Christ and receive him. But it was after that, it was only after that that we began to see and understand and be able to read this word and know what it's saying that we began to understand the full message of the gospel and how it came about and the nuts and bolts of it. And you know what? We're still learning today. It's still such a wonderful, wonderful story. And I've been preaching this for umpteen years, and you still get new and fresh insights into the glory of it and the wonder of it. So Peter says, just like little babies need milk to grow, so new babes in Christ need the milk of the Word. The simple, simple understanding at the beginning. But then, we must go on from that. You can't stay as a little baby. In Hebrews 5, 12 and 14, the writer says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. 
For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so it's all right being a baby when you are a baby. It's all right taking milk when you're just a little tiny baby. But there comes a point when you've got to get onto solid food. And just the same as the analogy with a natural baby, there comes a point you've got to get on of hinds, whatever it is, and then onto more solid food, and then after a little while they're eating everything in front of them. And likewise as believers, you accept the gospel, you receive it, it's simple, it's as much as you can understand, but then as you go on, you begin to see the fullness of it and how it came about. 1 Corinthians 14 and 20, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babies, but in understanding be men, or be mature, New King James says. And so God, through the simplicity of the gospel, makes it easy, really easy, for us to receive the message and accept Christ. But then we go on from that initial experience to develop and to mature in the deeper things of God. And so back to our analogy of the car. You bought the car, and now you've got to learn how to drive it, to familiarize yourself with it, to get to know the nuts and bolts of it, and so that you're confident and secure in it. But that comes after you buy it, doesn't it? Now let me give you just a few reasons this morning why God made, I believe, why God made the gospel message simple so that no one can say it's too hard to know. Luke 18, 17, Assuredly I say unto you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So nobody can say to God, I didn't get it. It's too hard to know. He made it so simple that even a child could grasp it. There's a profundity about the gospel. There is an incredibly rich and deep understanding of it that only comes later. At the beginning, what you need to know is it works. It works. See, when you just get saved, if somebody said to you to explain it, the chances are you probably couldn't, but you say, it works. It's changed. That's what I know. It's made all the difference to me. Now, if they ask you that in a few months' time, you can add to that. Ask you a few years' time, you can give them the whole story. But at the start, it's so simple. But there is a profundity. First Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. <laughs> Try to get to the bottom of that if you can. That almighty God took on human flesh and came to this earth. Justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. I mean, you could preach for a month in that. 
It's full of gems that can take a lifetime to understand. But at the start, God presents it as a simple, simple message. People who do not receive the gospel, it's not a question of the head, it's a question of the heart. It's a heart issue. As somebody says, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. It's a heart issue. And once the heart wants, the head will follow. But people try to make it a head issue, but it isn't. Because God challenges the heart first. The head will come, but the heart is challenged. And often people use the head excuses as a reason for not accepting Christ. The chances are it's a lifestyle issue. It's a heart issue. God is not waiting for a man or a woman to get a degree in theology in order to accept the gospel message. Be very few get saved if that was the case. It's so simple that even those who hear it for the very first time receive it. You see, all of us has heard it many, many times. But what about those who hear it for the very first time? When the evangelist goes to nations, and we, we support evangelists who do that in here, when they go to nations to reach the unreached, who has never heard, then this is an amazing story for them to hear. Remember the gods that they worship are cruel and vindictive and horrible. But when they hear about a loving God who loved us so much that he gave his son to die for us to forgive us our sin, they embrace that, they receive that, they accept that. It's so simple to them, but it's amazing. Hmm. Pharisees. And they made it very, very difficult for people to receive the kingdom of God. They were supposed to be teachers of the law, but they buried it under much ecclesiastical verbiage till it was too onerous and difficult and hard to wore the people out and they, they, they didn't want to hear it. And Jesus hated that about the Pharisees. He said, you're teachers of the law. You're supposed to teach the people. You're supposed to show them, but you don't. You make it so difficult and so hard that it turns them off. You put burdens upon them that they can't bear, and you won't even lift a finger to help them. Jesus kept his biggest denunciations for the scribes and the Pharisees for the religious hypocrites. In Matthew 23... And Jesus pronounces a number of woes upon them. Verse 13 of Matthew 23, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to make one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe unto you, blind guides, who say whoever swears by the temple it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is the greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? Whoever swears by the altar it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift and the altar, or that which sanctifies the gift? Therefore he who swears by the altar and swears by it and by all things on it, he who swears by the temple swears by it and all things and by him who dwells in it. And who swears by heaven, swears by the throne of God, and by him who sits in it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These ought you to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Well, do you scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside they're full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even so, you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. What are you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous, and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you're witnesses against yourselves that you're sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt, serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Boy, that's rough, isn't it? Whatever happened to gentle Jesus, meek and mild? What? He didn't miss and hit the barn door. Sure he didn't. But that's what he despised about them. They made things so difficult. I think also the reason why he made the gospel message simple is because he wanted to make it easy for us to share. Sharing the good news is not supposed to be only for the trained professionals or the paid clergy or gifted communicators. None of the disciples were rabbinically trained only the Apostle Paul, who had a great forensic mind, who was rabbinically trained, who was a master theologian, who sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the greatest rabbi of his day, who was trained and brought up in that. But even Paul, he says, I count all of that as refuge that I might win Christ. And it is amazing that Paul the Great theologian of Judaism that by and large God sent him to the Gentiles by and large and Peter the unlearned ignorant fisherman they called him because he wasn't rabbinically trained he had no ecclesiastical schooling and by and large God sent him to the Jews why? so that God would get the glory so that God would get the glory 
He wanted to make it easy for us to share it. Of course, that's not to say that we shouldn't improve our understanding of the gospel and of the word of God and go to Bible school if God so permits. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, we should improve our knowledge of God's word and the whole gospel. But when it comes to sharing, when it comes to gossiping the gospel, then keep it simple. Now, of course, if you're talking to a very highly learned person who has studied much, particularly uh, religion and so forth, you may have to go a bit deeper than that. But by and large, the people that you're going to mix with, keep it simple. Old Corrie Ten Boom had a statement, she called it KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. When you gossip the gospel, what people really want to know is, what difference will this make to me? Because as human beings, that's what we're like. That's what the advertisers get you to buy into. Because they know at your heart, that's what you want. What will this do for me? Yes, you're going to find out what Christ paid to do this to you. But how's it going to change me? Will this make a difference in my life? Of course it will. Of course it will change you. Any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things pass, behold all things become new. I think also he made it simple because he wanted it to be able to cut across all cultural, national, and racial, and social boundaries. The simple gospel is universally understood because it touches the deepest part of every human being. The Bible says God has put eternity in our hearts and the gospel touches that part of our heart, that seeking, searching part. The gospel touches it. And so whether it's the rich man or the poor man, whether it's the Danites or the Uppanites, there's no color barrier, it's no language barrier, it's no economic barrier, it's no educational barrier. It's for all men everywhere for all time. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, no racial or ethnic barrier. There's neither slave nor free, no socioeconomic barrier. There's neither male or female, no gender barrier. For all you are one in Christ Jesus. That's the great leveler, isn't it? The old saying is, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. It's the same for everybody. For God so loved the world. Not just the Jewish world that Christ came to, but the whole world. You see, the disciples had a problem with the whole world. Yes, the gospel was the Jew first to the Jew first. But they thought, well, that's where it's to end. This is only for us. But it wasn't. And Jesus told them before his ascension. He said, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and all Judea and to those despised Samaritans and to the ends of the earth. To everyone. And thank God the gospel is going out today to the ends of the earth, to everyone. Philip, their little taster there in 
Acts 8, where you see Philip and Ethi- Philip among the Samaritans in Samaria having a wonderful, having a, a, a tremendous uh, gospel campaign and hundreds are getting saved and devils are being cast out and people are getting healed. And then suddenly God speaks to him, sends him down to Gaza, 100 miles away to reach one man, an Ethiopian eunuch, for that man to take the message back to his land. And so the gospel goes everywhere. And Acts 10, go back to Cornelius. That really, really was the beginning, really, of the gospel reaching the Gentiles in a big way. And then, of course, you have Paul and Silas and, and Paul and Barnabas and their mission trips and reaching out to Asia, Asia Minor, into Europe and to the ends of the earth. Until the whole simple message, gospel message of Christ's love and his mercy has reached almost every nation on earth today. Some say it has reached every nation, but I think almost every nation. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So it's very important that this simple message goes into all the nations, which is why we support support well those ministries that is reaching into the nations. Because that's one of the things, that's, it's the main thing that's going to bring Christ back. That's what he's waiting for. Every nation is reached on earth with the gospel. And so for 2,000 years plus, this simple message has been told around the world to untold millions and millions have received the message and have received Christ and responded to the wonderful truths. And even as we speak, satellites are beaming this message around the world to communist nations, to Arab nations, to Islamic nations. You know, we don't hear much about this, but there are many, many people coming to Christ in Iran, one of the toughest Muslim nations on earth. But they are, even in North Korea, in places where it seems impossible, but the message is getting in. There's people even using helium balloons to, to send over the border into North Korea from South Korea with New Testaments never in their language. So God will never be without a witness. And this gospel is reaching right to the very ends of the earth. No gospel message, no message is so enduring like the gospel message. Think of one message that's lasted over 2,000 years that has changed so many lives. You can't. It's the gospel that has done it. And then fourthly and finally, I think the reason why he made it such a simple message is he wanted men to become humble, not proud in receiving it. Apart from Christianity, religion is based on human works. At the heart of all of it, it's based on human works. We feel that we must do something. We must accept. We must earn God's acceptance. We must earn God's salvation. 
Surely God doesn't want us to believe such a simple, simple story about his son going to a cross and giving his life for us. Surely there's more to it than that. Surely he wants us to do something, to earn this, to deserve this. But you see, all that appeals to man's pride. Except you become as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 2, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, not of good works, so that none of us can boast. If it was up to us, we would boast. We would say, but I know more than you. I have learned more than you. I deserve it better than you. I should get this. We would boast. But there's no boasting in this because Christ did it all for us so that we could re freely receive it as a gift by the grace of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What could be any easier than that? But in order to do that, we have to humble ourselves. And that deals with the pride issue. We have to realize there is absolutely nothing we can do to earn God's righteousness and God's forgiveness other than repent and say I'm sorry it's all we can do it's not of ourselves it's a gift of God so the simplicity of the gospel a simple message but a profound message that's changing millions of hearts around the world I don't know how many millions of believers there are today in the world but there are untold millions that has believed that simple, simple message. And you believed it too. And it changed their life, and it changed your life, and it changed my life. And it's so easy to receive. We humble ourselves. We ask Christ's forgiveness. We recognize what he's done for us. We ask him to come into our lives and to change us. And in that moment in the sincerity of our hearts God hears that simple prayer and he saves us Thank you, Lord. and then our lives change Amen. and then we begin to understand how God gave us that gift of life but that comes afterwards doesn't it we're going to pray and Jason's going to come and lead us in the Lord's table this morning Lord, we thank you for that day and hour whenever we heard the gospel. Our hearts were attracted to it. And we realized our deep need. And we received Christ as our Savior. Lord, we thank you that it wasn't anything we could do. The price had already been paid. It was a free gift, and all we could do was receive the gift of life. 
So we give you thanks for that. Help us, Lord, to share that simple, simple message that men and women may receive the Lord, that boys and girls may receive Christ, that their lives may be changed. For this we give you thanks. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.